New Power Generation Radio. The ultimate and alternative choice. Whenever evil tries to take you for a ride. Don't listen, Jesse. Feel what I feel. Love life. Love God. The only drugs you need. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. That was a little bit of New Power Radio right now. New Power Generation Radio. Thank you guys so much for listening to us on Stitcher, on iTunes, subscribing to us everywhere. Today, we have a very, very, very special guest in the house. Uh, some could say without her, Love Sexy wouldn't, wouldn't have happened. It would have been an entirely different journey for Prince. And she's got a lot of cool things coming up. Right now, I want you guys to put your hands together to the one, the one, the only, Ingrid Chavez. Woo! <laughs> Hello. Welcome, Ingrid. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. It was nice to finally meet you last April, last month. I know that you're meeting a bunch of people, but it was good to see your face there. Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun night at First Avenue. The first time I've been in many, many years. I was about to ask yeah. that. So you haven't been back to Minneapolis in a while? Um, yeah, I haven't been back to Minneapolis in at least 15 years. 16, wow. probably longer. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not true. I was there for the first Prince alumni um, event two years ago. Mm-hmm. How could I forget that? But before that, it was, I think, 20 years. Yeah. Wow. So Now, we've heard this story and we're going to go through it. Was it in Minneapolis where you first met Prince for the first time? Yes, I was living in Minneapolis and... Every Tuesday, there was funk music played at Williams Pub. I think that's how it goes. And um, so that's where everybody showed up on Tuesday nights. And I happened to go there that night. And that was the night that Prince went as well. And that was the first time I met him. Wow. And so I've heard different stories about this, whether it was a note or something about Gertrude. What 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 happened? And are you Gertrude? <laughs> I am the one and only Gertrude. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I wound up going there by myself. So when um, I saw him come in, I was by the bar, and he kept looking my direction. So I decided I would send him a note. And on the note, it said, hi, remember me? Probably not, but that's okay. We've never met. Smile. I love it when you smile. And I gave it to someone to give to him, and he asked me to come sit with him. And when he asked me what my name was, I said Gertrude. And when I asked him his name, he said Dexter. And that was what we called each other from that point on. I don't think I ever called him Prince. So, like, even in random mm-hmm. conversations later, you would just call him Dexter? Hey, Dexter, what's up, man? <laughs> Something like that. Hilarious. I love it. So, you guys are chilling, rapping, talking about what people talk about at bars when you're talking to the one and only Dexter. How... Yeah. 
did it come to where, you know, he wanted you to come back and listen to some new music he was recording or was about to put out? Um, no, he just asked me if I wanted to take a ride to Paisley Park. He didn't mention that he wanted me to listen to music or anything. So I said, okay. And so uh, we drove to Paisley Park. And um, I guess he was going through some stuff. He was, you know, having some, you know, an experience that I didn't know him. So I didn't know that he was contemplating changing the order of his albums that were coming out. So um, I was put into a room and I stayed there for a little while having no idea what he was doing. And um, I guess after a certain amount of time, he came back and um, I went into the studio and met Susan Rogers. Hmm. And don't remember a lot, you know, what else happened for the rest of the evening. I know that at some point um, he took me back home and we started our winter of writing poetry and um, making records. Right. So after playing it for you, although he was um, going through some conflict himself, you heard the Black Album that night, or what it was called at that time, the Black Album, correct? No, I no. never heard of the Black Album. No. Mm-hmm. He didn't mention anything like that to me. Huh. He didn't, he didn't, you know, say anything about the Black Album. Right. Because, like, According to like Prince history, it was like, oh, Ingrid heard the album and she didn't like the album and it made him shelve it. <laughs> but he had his own epiphany then, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. It had nothing to do with me hearing the record or having an opinion about it. Wow. That's incredible. But then you guys, what's really cool about this is you became somewhat his muse, whether it was writing songs or poetry together, correct? Well, the music was mutual, yes. Cool. Yeah. I mean, both of us wrote an album each during that period. It it was basically just a winter. It was, um, I think, December 1st through, I don't know, like three months. You know, three months of hanging out. He recorded his record. I recorded, I wrote all the, the poems for the poetry record, and we recorded that, and... um then he started preparing to go on tour for Love Sexy, and we just kind of drifted apart. Wow. But that time period, it's just so interesting because the Black Album and Love Sexy are such diverse um, musical ent- entities, especially Prince now, you know, later on in life, he referred to Love Sexy as a gospel album. And aside from yeah. when two are in love being held together, I mean, and it seemed like a very joyous record he seemed very happy so whatever you guys uh were writing or whatnot it seemed to have a really great effect on him did it have the same effect on you yeah i mean when i think back on that period we were like two kids who had checked out of the real world for a winter Mm. and it's like we were making snow angels and you know like just whispering and into the night and just laughing and just really enjoying this poetic friendship that we had. It was very playful and spiritual in moments. 
And it's funny when people ask me what we talked about. It's you didn't really, you don't really need to talk so much if you're putting it all into poems and songs and just being in the moment and uh, being wide open to whatever comes. So that's what we were. And he was very soft during that period. He was very natural and mm. just just a happy. It was a happy period. Right now, <clears throat> before. Um, you being on Love Sexy with the rain is wet, sugar is sweet. Were you? Did you ever record anywhere before? Well, I before like I've been in other bands before I met Prince, okay. and right. um, not so um, shortly after we met, you know, he obviously at some point asked me what I do, and I said that I you know I'm a songwriter. And um, so he put me in the studio and said, "Let's see what you see what you got." And um, so I went in with a guitar, which I don't really play guitar. And um, mm -hmm. I went in with an electric guitar. And what I would do, though, I would um, play melodies and then flip them and write songs to backwards guitar and I would flip my vocals and do all this backwards vocal stuff very exper experimental huh. stuff and so um, that night I wrote two tracks one was called Least Enough and the other one was called Cross the Line and um, I remember when he and they were both spoken word and a wow. little bit of singing but mostly spoken word and I remember when he came in to hear what I had done <laughs> he just had this expression his eyes were really wide and and I didn't know what to make of his expression. He just said, oh. And um, I thought for sure he thought I was crazy. And um, huh. But um, actually, I think that he was impressed with uh, my speaking voice. Right. And so, you know, um, things came out of that. He really, really enjoyed hearing me talk. Um, right. So... I think the um, the idea for the poetry record was born shortly after that. Now, is that the same record that was released uh, with uh, May May seventeenth? If I'm getting the date wrong, I apologize. Mm -hmm. Nineteen ninety one was that from those yeah. sessions? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the record is May nineteen ninety nine. Came out. Um, it came out. Of year later but during that winter he said that if i wrote or put together 21 points we would go into the studio and make a record so during that winter i just spent you know all this time writing i wrote him a lot of letters and wrote him a lot of points and um so out of that i think we had this 21 uh poem collection and so we went into Paisley Park to one of the studios and he put me in a vocal booth. He set me up with a mic and he was in the um, the sounds the sound room or the not the sound room but the, the, the where the where the soundboard is. And right. he had us um, a keyboard and he would ask me the name of the poem and I would say Heaven Must Be Near and he would play around with some sounds and try to come up with something that he felt represented the title. And he would say, 
okay, start reading, and he would just start playing whatever came to mind. And then that one would end, and he would say, what's the next one? And I would say, Slappy Dappy. And (laughs) just from the title, he would come up with some melody, and he'd say, okay, let's go. And we did the entire um, set of poems like that. And um, there wasn't until a couple of years later when... um, it's funny. I had a band called Skyfish, and um, we had just put together a cassette that was in the re- all the local record stores, Electric Fetus, and all those stores. And from the rooftop where I used to live, um, I could see this jazz club. And I, one day I saw Dwayne, his brother, standing outside of a car in front of the um, jazz and so um, I went down and I handed Dwayne the Skyfish cassette and just an and I just what he was doing so I just I just left it at that and a few days later I came home and my entire apartment was filled with white flowers and I got a call from Prince, and he said, um, I want you to hear Heaven Must Be Near. It's like springtime in Paris. That's what he, how he... Springtime in Paris, huh? That's how he said the song sounded like. It was like springtime in Paris. And so um, he came and picked me up and took me to Paisley Park, and we listened to it. And that was when he decided to uh, finish the poetry album. And coincidentally, every Skyfish cassette disappeared from Minneapolis. So if anybody's got um, any of those, <laughs> uh, they're by. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. See, what's interesting to me, just to flash forward, when Heaven Must Be Near came out, there was like a video clip, a small video clip played of it from Friday Night Videos. And from that, I was hooked. And I kept like going to my local warehouse records up the street going, yeah, when's this song called Heaven Must Be Near by Inger Chavez coming out? And it would, <laughs> it would show up on their list in new releases. It kept getting pushed back. It showed as a four-track uh, single. And I kept looking for it and it was like trying to make sure that they ordered it. And of course, it never came out. I think if it is out in any capacity, it's not out uh through warner's paisley but i was so like literally like every single time i go oh this release date that i come back in like a week or two before to make sure it's coming they're like oh no it got pushed back i was so frustrated and i kept <laughs> ruining my friday night videos video because it would only play like that 30 seconds of it and i kept going back <laughs> to hear it because we didn't have the internet i couldn't find another place to do it you know yeah i really dug that song so i don't know that's that's springtime in Paris. <clears throat> yeah, cool. he was in love with that, and he's the one who directed the video for it. And mm. yeah. Now, even though you say like after uh, when Love Sexy was put out and he went on tour, that you guys kind of drifted apart. But every night you were there in some capacity because he kept using uh, the unreleased track at the time and still unreleased of what you talked about, the poem of Cross the Line, and would use that yeah. through uh, segues for the tour. So that must have been kind of cool. Um, 
you did see the Love Sexy tour, correct? I saw the rehearsal. Um, um, he invited me to Paisley Park to see them rehearse before they went on the road. And did he, was Cross the Line used during the rehearsals? Yeah. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Full rehearsal. Cool. I wanted to make sure that you were in the scene here. <laughs> and I'm sure I have some love sexy rehearsals I'm not supposed to have that have it in there, but I just wanted to make sure to see if you got it that day. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, so you're saying that you kind of drifted apart uh, at that time, but then, you know, f- flash forward a little bit. Um, you guys did make a movie together called Graffiti Bridge. How did that come about? After we did um, doing the uh, the record, we were shooting videos for it. Um, Craig Rice, I think um, when... I think Ambassador was supposed to be the, the lead character. I'm not sure how you say her last name, but she was supposed to be the lead character and I guess she decided not to do it and so they were looking for um, a new leading lady. And Craig Rice, who helped shoot the um, Heaven Must Be Near video, um, told Prince that they should give me a shot. And so I came in and did a screen test for it and they offered me the part. Interesting. Yeah, Kim Basinger or whatnot, or whatever was going on at that time with them. Well, now, when you were brought in, did um, did the script go any, go through any more changes after you arrived on the scene? Or is it pretty much as is as we see in the movie? I am going to assume that it went through some changes, but I don't know what those were. I mean, I really can't imagine um that they didn't change that part for me right now it just brings up a totally different thing and what i was talking to you before we went on air and talking about with a dj friend um a couple months back and that was the whole thing and the reason i also bring this up after graffiti bridge because i feel a lot of stuff uh mm-hmm. would play into that not coming out is what if love sexy never happened what if the black album did come out as originally intended and love sexy didn't. And then we're like, Oh, that's such an interesting point. And then we were trying to think like, would this happen? Would graffiti bridge have happened Would the Batman album have happened? And it's just, you know, what do you think of that? I can't imagine that graffiti bridge would have happened. I mean, um, it, it seems, I mean, the, the uh, spirit child in Love Sexy, I feel like, was carried over into the character of Aura. And so um, my record wouldn't have happened. The poetry album wouldn't have happened. And that happened wouldn't have happened. Love, uh, Justify My Love wouldn't have happened. And then um, I wouldn't have met and married my ex-husband, David Sylvian. And then I wouldn't have... Mm-hmm. The two beautiful daughters from him. So on my end, all those things would not have happened. And um, as far as Prince is concerned, you know, I it took people, it was, I think um, people went on a journey with Prince that was important for him and people who, um, who followed him, who went on that trip with him, you know. And... It's- um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, 
it's such an important record and for it maybe to get overlooked the way it has. Um, and we're going to get, we're going to get to justify my love and we're going to get into, um, the one track, how love sexy game to be, but did he ever share with you the album cover of what love sexy was going to look like before it came out? Or did you find out when everyone else found out? I found out. I mean, I saw it before it came out. I mean, okay. before it was released to the public. I mean, uh -huh. he was excited to show it to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it, to be honest. But um, I really do feel like that cover showed a real commitment to the direction he was going in that record. You know, right. the, he, you know, he was bearing his soul you know and yeah bearing his soul in a little bit of a rebirth after like the 10-year chapter of his career at least you know that's how i somewhat took it with him being inside the flower or whatnot but it's just amazing and i just don't understand why in the plethora of prince works even with Questlove, kind of like how overlooked it is um now did you know about on CD and then on vinyl was going to be as one track where you had to listen to it all the way through and <laughs> be able to just go to alphabet street. You had to listen to, I know, and through everything throughout. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he, he did mention that he was, that that's the way the album was going to run. Uh -huh. But I mean, that's, that's what artists want. I mean, when I make a record, I want people to listen to it from beginning to end because it's a story, but um, he was going to make sure people listen to it from beginning to end right. to the frustration of many people. But um, again, it's just one of those records. It was one of the boldest things he's ever done, you yeah. know, from the cover to the, the, um, the songs he wrote and, and the way that, you know, it didn't have any breaks in the album mm -hmm. between songs. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't rich yet. I was never rich. So I only had the cassette and the cassette. I never had that problem. And I guess the other people in my neighborhood who own love sexy, we didn't know about that issue with it. It's only like <laughs> when I went to, uh, you know, college a, a few years later and everyone knew like what a big prince head I was, you know, they were like, hey, I got love sexy. What, what's I could, I, I can't forward the tracks. It's like from track one. I'm like, Oh, you must've gotten like a defective CD. I haven't heard of that problem. So I had like no clue about it. That it was one track because uh, of me funny. having the cassette now. And we talked about this before, but I just find it's not only so bold, but so daring that Prince put out the album cover as is and that Warner Brothers at least as far as I know and as far as you know there's no pushback on it I can't imagine an artist today male or female that can pose nude on their album cover albeit not showing anything and very tastefully and artistically done someone that can pose nude on their album cover and not there be a humongous controversy you know yeah and it was just such an interesting time, and the his, the whole that whole period was just 
mm-hmm. it's like a dream or something that <laughs> he he fell into that took us into it and everybody just sort of fell in line with it the record company was like okay right <laughs> it's just so amazing to me and i'm like i'm very glad and very happy that you were able to be a part of it and make it happen whether you know whatever he was going through but you know that winter that you guys were writing music and poetry just seems so amazing it seems like it came at the right time for him and you were really needed and i'm glad Mm -hmm. that you were a part of that you know yeah me too and another thing that's interesting to me like in this day and age like we were talking about where no one could pose nude on their album cover and then their next album they get the batman soundtrack which at that time is going to be the hugest movie in entertainment history it's like doing an avengers movie and all this stuff now and then prince is doing the soundtrack to himself like how would that be possible (laughs) nowadays there'd be so much controversy you know but he was able to make it happen it's like prince is and always will be the exception you can't do that. Oh, but it's Prince. Okay, let's get yeah. out of the way. He's just fearless, and he's just—he's just an artist, and he's just got had always had such a vision for himself, and it didn't matter what anybody else thought about it. I mean, from Dirty Mind and controversy, it's just like you know, he didn't care. He never cared. No. Just, you know, such an inspiration for so many people. Um, Absolutely. And for the label to be able to back him up in that way was amazing. Now, <clears throat> going through Graffiti Bridge and all that stuff, you had a humongous hit that a lot of people didn't know that you even had anything to do with because you weren't given the credit at first. I know that's been worked out, but a lot of people don't know that Justify My Love by Madonna was your composition, correct? That is correct. That's correct. I um. Uh, I wrote it with Lenny Kravitz. Um, I was hanging out with him in the studio in Los Angeles um, huh. during the time that Graffiti Birch was. Um, I would go out to Los Angeles to reshoot things or to do voiceovers for Graffiti Birch. And um, I would hang out with Lenny Kravitz sometimes. And um, so one time him and Andre Betts were in the studio and I was just hanging out. And they um, asked me if I, they they laid down this beat and Lenny put this synth down and they asked me if I, if I wanted to go in and, you know, record something. And I had a letter on me that um, I was like, yeah, sure. And so I basically went in and read this letter. My letters are kind of poem-like letters. And so I just went in and read it. And that was just a one-take reading. And... Um, Sang the sang it behind Lenny Kravitz because he sang the chorus and you know I sang behind him and then a few days later we went to he asked me if I wanted to go um, to Virgin because he was going to go meet the head of Virgin for something so I just came along and um, Lenny mentioned this song that we recorded and I was the only one who had a copy on, of it on me so I. Hmm. Um, gave I forget who the who the head of Warner was I mean uh, Virgin was at the time, and he 
took my cassette and played it and said, ah, oh, it's a great song. Um, do you mind if I hold on to the cassette? And I was like, oh, yeah, no problem, thinking I would get another one back. And um, uh, I went back to New York, uh, no, back to Minneapolis, and, you know, we finished up the movie and everything. And, and I was in New York, and Lenny asked me if I, um, if I could meet up with him because he wanted to tell me something. And that's when he um, let me know that Madonna was going to do the song hmm. and that I should sign off on no one knowing that I did it and that, you know, I'll get a small amount of money, but if I don't, you know, chances are, you know, it was just, you know, it was just wow. a story I got told that, you know, you know, I look back on it and I, and I really feel like it was all down to Virgin. Virgin heard that song. They thought Madonna. And then from that point, you know, everybody, everything just shut down. Like, you know, the, I, the studio wouldn't give me a copy. Um, huh. Lenny was, you know, acting like this person I didn't know. And mm. so, um, so the song came out and um, Prince called me up. And this is before my record was released, by the way. Right. And he called me up and he said, So, Ingrid, what's up with that Madonna song, Justify My Love? I know that's you. I can tell that's your voice. Hmm. And I had not told anybody, nobody. Hmm. Nobody knew about that. The only person who'd ever heard a copy of it, my version, was Craig Rice. Oh. And... Um, and I said, and that's the first time I, I told anybody. And he said, are you stupid? I mean, people are going to think that you're copying Madonna when your record comes out. And so that's when I um, I said, I, was, I felt I really had disappointed him. And I just, that's when I hired a lawyer and I just said, okay, I'm going for it. And it was kind of nasty for a minute. That's when MTV was, you know, everybody watched MTV for their music news. And right. there was a, you'd get these like, he said this and she responded with that. And, you know, it was, it, it felt horrible. Um, but I did get my credit. Right. It took a while and it was really surprising you know, that it even went down that way. I'm sorry it went down that way, but I'm glad that you were able to get your just due and everything else. Now, do you, is there any version of you on that song at all before uh, the Madonna release? Do you still have that, still have a copy or is it gone? No, I, I don't uh, have a copy of it. I've never heard it again. Oh, man. But I have recorded a new version. <laughs> well, um, do tell. <laughs> yeah. So um, we were going to release it before Memories of Flying, which is my new record that will be coming out soon. We were going to release it first. And um, we switched up the uh, release order recently. But um, I recorded a new version of it with um, Mashti. He's um, a producer out of Denmark. Um, and we have this amazing remix package with some great DJ remixers on it. That whole package will probably be coming out, um, sometime in the summer. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it sounds pretty amazing. And, you know, you'll hear what, I mean, it's my voice. She copied my voice. You'll hear it when you hear my version. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you'll, I mean, if Prince can call me up and hear her speaking my lines and say, I know that's you, that's right. how good she is at, you know, copying right. other people. I mean, and he did, like, before that, around maybe between Sign of the Times and Love Sexy, he did record with Madonna a uh, love song. So he probably knew how she can imitate or whatnot by his directions on that song with her. Mm-hmm. So, but his ear is just very well trained. So it may yeah. have, you know, fooled a lot of other people, but not him. And I'm sure. I mean, yeah. how many different places he used my voice? How, how, you know, how well he knew it, how intimate he, it was in his head. Right. You know. And we're going to get into another song that you wrote or had something to do with that became another tremendous hit. (laughs) But first, I want to get into Graffiti Bridge. Now, was this your first time acting at all or? Absolutely. It was my first time acting, yes. In the last time. (laughs) First and last. Wow. You You have no desire to act at all still? No, not really. Okay. It was fun, but it's not my yeah. thing. Was it more tedious than, say, recording? Like, um, how long were the days on set at Paisley? They were long days. I mean, they started really early and ended in the evening, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd stay in makeup and hair for the first few hours of the day. Right. And then have to do your scenes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like, no, it doesn't seem, it mm-hmm. was, a lot was cut out that explains things. Like, I love the part in the new Power Generation extended video where you are drawing with paint on his chest on a shirt, a heart with me in it, basically saying, love me, which would take form in the lyrics of joy and repetition. And then later in the movie, but without the new power generation scene to explain it, here he is taking off his shirt and it has a heart and it says, beat me, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there was so many things I felt that were cut out that would have explained the story a little yeah. bit better. And I'm really hoping in some way, shape or form, I know that he was editing it while he was on tour with the new tour, but I'm really hoping that somewhere in the vault is some of these clips from, um, from that time period, including, you know, clean videos for, um, the question of you and other stuff where you were kind of put in and not just the movie scene that was put in, you know? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people have seen the hangman scene, you know, that didn't make the cut. (laughs) Um, yeah, the, you've seen that, correct? The, the one where we acted out. Yeah. Um, for others that haven't, there's a pretty descriptive scene that was supposed to be in the movie of them playing hangman. And, uh, at some point Prince was going to be the hangman and that was left on the editing room floor. But, um, sorry, just explain the backstory to that. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just didn't make the cut. It was pretty intense that 
that scene and, and I'm glad that it didn't because it well okay I just watched it for the first time since the premiere mm-hmm. I just watched it the other night for Mother's Day with my two daughters who have never seen it either they're 20 and 24 and they've never seen it so that was our Mother's Day thing and the one thing that um, they kept saying is like I don't understand what's going on I don't understand. <laughs> and I was like, I think a lot of people felt that way about the film. You know, even when I was watching it, you know, for the first time after all these years, I could just see how confusing it was for people, you know? Right. I don't know. I just, I just wish there was some of those scenes, but maybe not that one, but others that would just explain the movie more, more so. Now yeah. on the heels of that, you know, you had another, it came out in 91, I believe, but I ultimately always thought it was Prince. And I'm like, there has to be some sort of Prince connection with it. And I was told by radio that it wasn't. But lo and behold, later on, I'm hearing Ingrid had something to do with it. And that was the song by Natural Selection called Do Anything, which I believe was another number one hit at radio and on Billboard. How did that come to be? Well, um, one of the guys, Frederick Thomas, he um, was just a good friend. He was just in my friend group. We all like wrote songs together, and you know, would you know make up bands, and you know, we were just kind of um, just all doing it. But um, we all kind of broke off and went in different directions musically. And um, Frederick wound up doing natural selection. I wound up working with Prince and. Um, so Frederick asked me to come into the studio. Well, they asked me to write something for it and then come to the studio and record it. And um, I I just came across, and I posted it on um, Facebook and Instagram today, but I just came across that cassette the other day. <laughs> it's, um, it has just this yellowy tape on it. And it has the name of the band and the song and, you know, um, Elliot and Frederick and uh, featuring Igor Chavez. And it's funny, I just you know, happened upon it the other day, brought back some memories. But, um, yeah, um, uh, once again, I think Prince um, made it so that I wasn't able to appear on the actual recording that would be released, so they had to have someone else come in and record my part. And that was so. Nikki, Nikki Harris, right? Yeah, Nikki Harris, right. I swear it sounds like you, too. So it was like just oh. copying it. <laughs> copying it again correct there's lots of people who copied this voice <laughs> wow i like my voice i won't be copying yours ingrid you got nothing to worry about on that. <laughs> I, I like your voice too thank you <laughs> now you had and you you said <laughs> like when we played earlier the new power radio you like you don't remember that do you remember being in the recording studio and doing those intros and knowing it would be for a project like this or was there lots of other things that were recorded such as cross the line that were used for different things or you knew were going to be used for different things. I knew that um, I was recording for the, um, the radio station. I just don't, or the radio show. I just don't really remember it too, too well. Right now. Was there other mm-hmm. things that you let's, let's say like after graffiti bridge and other stuff where, was there a time where you guys were going to work again or, what kind of happened if you can talk about that yeah 
Well, after um, after Justify My Love, and um, I felt like um, Prince at some point, maybe it was because of Justify My Love or maybe because I worked with Lenny or whatever. I don't know what it was, but Carmen Electra entered the scene, and I just, um, my record just kind of, quietly went away as far as like it being promoted and they didn't um you know do a new run of it and i just um and after the justify my love thing and just the even um my experience at the end with um prince not prince was at that time was just seem always disappointed with me about something. It was to justify my love or maybe an article I was in or whatever. I just really got turned off by the whole thing, the justify my love, um, my record not being promoted. And I just, um, I met my ex-husband, David Sylvian, and I just decided to turn my back on it all and raise my family and live vicariously through his music and travel with him. And, and I, and I, when I say I turned my back on it, it was like a door shut for many years. Right. You know, but it was all meant to be, you were able to have a marriage, two loving kids through mm-hmm. all this. So it's all meant to be in the life of stuff. Of course, at that time, it's hard to do stuff and there's hurt feelings and whatnot. Now, was there ever a time where you re-entered the picture at all or he tried to reach out to you? If you can't talk about that, that's more than fine. It's just a question of of curiosity. No, um, I think one time he reached out to me on um, MySpace and I didn't really i didn't know who it was so i didn't respond but then um i was a little while later i was talking to someone about you know this person and they were like oh that's that was what prince was kind of going under moving around my space and so i never did um i never did um reach out to him and sadly enough i was just getting ready to um make that connection again and just, you know, check in and see how things were and just, just to, um, reach back out to him again. And just a little too late. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Um, the timing, everything, I wish that you would have been able to reconnect, but whether it was through MySpace or whatnot, you, were a part of something that was very tremendous in the world of Prince. And it's unfortunate that the album didn't get the promotion that it deserved because for someone like me who kept walking up to his local warehouse, <laughs> wanting that heaven must be near single man and not being able to get it, I was frustrated. So it was really um, interesting because I, like I said, I, I really did just like shut the door. And mm-hmm. I think it was um, around. 2005 or six, I opened up a my. I uh, know I was um I was just actually getting into photography and um I was doing this exhibition and I got a call from my lawyer saying um there's this fashion designer in 
Sacramento who has a show coming up soon and he wants to know if you would be interested in performing some of your songs from your May 1992 Paisley Park record. Mm. And I was like, huh, wow. Um, uh, yeah. Right. And, um, but I hadn't even thought about music in all those years. And so I got in contact with him and it was through that one time saying yes. Many times in your life you say yes and many things happen, come out of it. But this yes started it all again for me because I did wind up, wind up going and um, performing live while the, the models came down the, the runway. But what also happened was he encouraged me to open up a MySpace page, which I was not on MySpace. And um, when I did that, I realized that my record had taken on a life of its own. And there were all these people mm. who were like, oh my God, where have you been? Your record helped me get through college or it helped me, you know, to get through a really hard time. It helped me mm. when I was getting divorced or, you know, all these stories started pouring in about how this record was so important to people. And I had no idea, no idea. Right. And um, it really just, it was so heartwarming and I realized, you know, you, sometimes you put things out into the world and they take a life, take on a life of their own. And it, um, that's when I decided to, um, start writing again. Cool. Yeah. Now we're going to get into the May 19th, 1992 record. And if there's any other copies out there existing now, were you ever at any time, like given a copy of the black album before it came out or any extra copies that ended up in your possession. Just a curious question. <laughs> I've actually never heard the album and wow. now I don't, I never had a copy. Okay. But May 19th, 1992 for a bunch of people who may not have had any copies. Do you have any copies or is there any way that anyone can get a copy? I have, um, what I have are boxes and boxes of, um, when um, they do back then, they were the long box, and right. they would have all these promotional, but promotional copies. But they would um, cut the box so that it would cut a notch into the actual box. Right. And so I do sell those. Um, so I do have the original long box that I sell. It has the little um, promo notch in it, but you know the CD itself and all the artwork is is intact. That's crazy cool. Now, how can someone obtain a copy of this record? And we're going to get into your new record, too. But how can someone get a long box from this from you? Um, I don't have any up on eBay, but um, I'll put them up and um, I'll, I'll put a post up. Just, uh, if you follow, if, if you just follow me online, if you go to, uh, if you follow me on Facebook or, and it's all Ingrid Chavez, easy to find, um, IngridChavez.com, you, you know, um, they'll be there. They'll be on the website when I, uh, if there is a, if there is a desire to have one, I will put some up. I believe there is. <laughs> <laughs> now we also have, you're going to be coming out with a new project that is escaping me right now. And there's one that's like a tribute to Prince or was inspired by Prince. Is that correct? 
That's correct. So um, I have a new record coming out. Um, I don't have an, an exact date yet. It's probably going to be the end of summer. Um, and the first song from the album, we are doing a special promotion on June 7th mm-hmm. from my Bandcamp page. We're going to be releasing it for one day. And if you purchase that song from my Bandcamp page, all the all the proceeds will go to the PRN Alumni Foundation uh, for you know nonprofit organizations that they support. And um, but the song's called "You Gave Me Wings," and mm-hmm. it was written on the day that um, I heard the news about Prince's passing, and mm-hmm. it speaks of that winter that we spent together. Um, it's a really beautiful lyric, and I hope that everybody will um, come and, at least on that day, support uh, and buy it. But I'm also going to be performing that song um, in London on June 7th, uh, celebrating his birthday. Um, and I'll be performing the song live. Awesome. That's for a PRN alumni event at Cafe de Parasite, if I'm correct. Yes, you're correct. Awesome. And so, yeah, the song, that's the first song. Um, it, the official release is um, probably not for another six weeks or, or two months or so, but for that day, it will be released for um, people who want to come out and support um, the PRN Alumni Foundation. Right. And we're going to be having a snippet to close out the show as well. So you guys stay tuned for that. Um but is there anything that we haven't covered, Ingrid, that you would like to talk about, whether it's your career or with Prince or anything yeah. else? Please do. I think, yeah, I think we've covered Prince. I mean, I've, I know that people um, don't know that I've consistently put out records since 2007. And... Um, I put a record out about every three years because that's about how long it takes for me to um, to conceive of the record and then to put it out into the world. And um, so I do have um, a record that I made with my ex-husband called Little Girls with Nine-Nine Lives. Um, that was um, written and produced with David Sylvian. You know, he has a lot of diehard fans. Um in 2007, I put out a record called A Flutter and Some Words with Lorenzo Scopoletti out of Italy. It's a beautiful record. Um, I also had a band called, and I still do have a band called Black Eskimo. And, um, and in 2000, um, I think 2014, we put out an album called Deep and Heady. And um, that year, um, one of our songs, um, My Sky, won best, and it won uh, the Independent Music Award for Song of the Year in the Spoken Word category. So I have still been putting out music. Um, I've done a lot of collaborative work with people out of Europe. Um, and then also 2015, I won the um, award again for. Um, best song in the spoken word category for a song called Ride that um, Deep Dive Corporation reworked. So now I have a record called Memories of Flying coming out and um, it 
like all my records, it's pretty much a three-year journey from the beginning of writing to putting it out. But um, it's uh, all of my records are like journals. They are written in the moment of my life. They recording my life as it's happening, and it's kind of like a journal. And um, it's kind of like a healing process for me, and I hope that people who listen to my records can find something in it for themselves and their own souls. So, um, yes, still putting out records, and I hope that you guys will go back and check out some of my past records and that you'll, um, you know, look out for the new one. Um, there is another thing that's coming up that I forgot to mention, and um, it's June 1st. It's a Love Sexy Symposium. Mm. It's in Brooklyn. Um, at, uh, so I'm going to be on a panel with a cat who I have not spoken to since way back in the day, Love Sexy, and um, or the movie, rather. No, she wasn't in the movie. That was Robin, mm. since Love Sexy. And um, that's June first. What really else? Cool. Yeah, because you're gonna have Cat Glover, and then my, I think a friend of mine is on that panel as well, Zahir Ali. So that should be really cool. Oh yeah, and Matt Fink is on it. Yeah, Matt Fink yeah. as well. All right. Yeah. So that should be really yeah, cool. That's in so, Brooklyn, right? Yeah, that's in Brooklyn. Um, that should be interesting. I look forward to it and I look forward to having you on again closer to when the album comes out. I hope that you would come back. Hope it was a good experience for you. Yeah. And, so, uh, um, and so you're going to play a snippet of you gave me wings now. Yeah. We're going to put it out there and we'll have it play and I'll let everyone know, uh, what they think of it and hit you up and follow you on your social media, singing yeah. your previous albums and the new albums. And, yeah, find uh, me I'm on my Instagram, on my Facebook, Twitter. Just hit all me up. That. All Follow that. her there, just not in real life, and don't <laughs> challenge her to a game of hangman, okay? You're gonna lose. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you right. might lose that pool if you challenge me to a game. So Oh, you're a pool shark now too, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's my game. That's my uh -huh. jam. That's your jam. Not ping pong? <laughs> no, not ping pong. So did you I'm curious, did you did you ever play Prince Pool and did you whip him? Oh my gosh. I kicked butt. Yeah, we played <laughs> pool a lot. I played his dad. It was fun. Oh wow. Yeah. That must have been interesting. Yeah. All right, Ingrid, thank you so much for your time here. Eric Rogers and Miss Lulu, congratulations on getting married. I wasn't able to say that last uh, time. Congratulations. You guys are awesome. I love those guys. They're cool. Um, lastly, who are the people that are on this album with you? Uh, let's see. Uh, I have Mashti, um, Peter Musebrink of Deep Dive Corporation, Charles Webster. He's out of England. I've got Ganga out of Denmark, David Hearn out of London, and Marco Valentin of Black Eskimo, my previous band. And um, these are all people that I've worked with over the past year or two, and I pulled them all together to make a record, and it was it's a great collection of musicians and collaborations so i can't Sounds wait for you good. guys to hear it yep Thanks. all right y'all till next time keep it funky we're gonna put you out here with you gave me wings peace bye. thanks again ingrid thanks bye bye guys truth is god is here in a touch and a kiss
These memories.